Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Morning, everybody. Hello in your lounge rooms as well. Thank you. Um, Well, to start off this morning, I want to ask you to use your imagination. Yay, do something. (laughs) I know it's Sunday morning, but you can do this. For some of you, it will take a lot of imagination and for some of you, not as much. Okay, so um, and this is if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, if you don't want to be a Christian, if you used to be a Christian, if you've been a Christian your whole life and you're pretty sure you could deliver this message better than me. It is all of us. Okay. Uh, everybody gets to play. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine what your life would be like if you had absolute confidence. I mean, absolute perfect confidence and assurance that one, there really is a God. Two, that it's a personal God who knows your name. And three, that it's a God that will walk beside you every day and has promised to never leave you or forsake you and to see you through, over, and around everything that comes your way. Imagine if you had that kind of faith. I mean the kind of faith where when things are really, really bad, you go, well, there's nothing I can do about that, but I can trust in God to see me through and to walk me through that right now. The kind of faith that when you face a huge temptation, you would say, God, you know what, I don't, know how in the world I'm going to say no to that piece of chocolate and everything on the inside of me wants to go that way but I just have absolute trust that you are bigger than that and that you're bigger than that through me and I'm trusting you. The kind of faith that when something really great happens, the kind of great that kind of blows people off course sometimes, all of a sudden you may have suddenly way, way, way too much money or she's way, way, way out of your league and she's calling you or he's way, way, way out of your league and something great happens and, um, and the kind of thing that distracts people, right? And you're like, God, you know what? I believe you bought that good thing my way and I just have absolute faith that you're just going to see me through this and I'm not going to become a different person because things are going my way. What if you just had that kind of amazing, out-of-the-box faith that no matter what happened, you just trusted God? You just trusted God when things got worse and worse and worse, and you just said, you know what? God knows this is going on. God has a plan for my life. God has a perfect will for my life. I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other and just do the next best thing and just do the next right thing and just trust in God, and you were just totally at peace. Imagine that. Imagine no fear. Imagine no anxiety. I mean, if things are bad and it's like God knew this was going to happen, I'm just trusting God and we'll see what God does. No anxiety. Why should I be nervous? Why should I be afraid? I can't control my next breath. I just have absolute trust in God. No fear about your kids. No fear about your marriage. No fear about your finances. And I mean, it's not that everything goes your way, but you just had this unbelievable faith that God was with you, around you, working through you, seeing you through. Imagine that kind of faith. Would that not be incredible? Is anyone looking for a little piece of that this morning? 
it would be amazing. And maybe you've met people like that. Maybe you knew someone who went through some horrible times and, and you were doubting God on their behalf, right? Has anyone ever done that? Like, how could God let that happen to you? And they're kind of looking at you going, well, I'm sorry, this has shaken your faith, but I'm fine. I'm trusting God. And they just had that remarkable faith. Have you ever met someone like that? Give me a wave if you've met someone. Yeah, there's a few people here. Even if you're not a God kind of person, there's something very attractive about that, right? When you meet somebody like that, it's just incredible. They're incredibly resilient people. And that's where God wants to take you. And that's where God wants to take me. I want to get there. So I was listening to a message by Pastor Andy Stanley, say that 10 times fast, (laughs) on on this subject this week. And I'm going to share his thoughts with you today because I'm working this out right alongside you all. When you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, the story of Scripture is God trying to build into people an extraordinary, out-of-the-box, over-the-top, are-you-kidding-me kind of confidence in Him. And the reason that's the story of humanity and the story of your life is because in the beginning, the break with God and man happened around the issue of trust and faith. In the beginning, the break between God and man wasn't simply a matter of disobedience, though it was that. That God gave Adam and Eve the to-do list and they did three out of the four of the things and God said, well, I'm sorry. The thing that broke the relationship between God and man was man's refusal to trust God. When I say man, I mean man and woman. I mean the collective mankind. Man decided, God, you're withholding something good from me. You can't be trusted. God, I don't, I don't think you know what's best for me. You can't be trusted. God, I think you have an agenda other than what you've told me. You can't be trusted. And the relationship break between God and, the, and mankind happened over the issue of trust. And God has been reworking this trust thing with us ever since. God's will for your life, regardless of where you are in terms of religion, non-religion, church, whatever your background, God's heart's desire is to draw you into a keyword relationship that is built around absolute perfect confidence. God wants you to have a really, really, really big faith in Him, a big trust in Him. That's what God wants for you. That's what your best life looks like. Because imagine if you woke up every day with that kind of confidence. Everything about our lives and relationships, our money, our anxiety, our outlook, our friends, our enemies, our work, our school, everything would be impacted if we woke up with that kind of confidence in God wouldn't it? Yeah. And so what God wants for you is to blow your faith up big. And it's really interesting in the Old Testament, God created a nation, the nation of Israel. And the point of Israel was to show the rest of the world what it was like to have a relationship with God. So when God launched Israel as a nation in the land of Egypt, the first thing God did, this was so cool, the first thing God did was not give them the Ten Commandments. A long time before God gave them the Ten Commandments, the first thing God did was reach into Egypt and deliver the nation of Israel and to say, in the most incredible of ways, you can trust me. Trust me, I've got you. 
I'm going to make a way where there isn't a way, literally, through a sea. (laughs) Trust me. Trust me. I want you to trust me. And the nation of Israel came out of Egypt and said, wow, what a great God. We trust you. And once they had established this trust relationship, then God said, now look, I want to tell you how to live your life. Not so that we can have a relationship, because we already have one. You trusted me and you followed me. Now trust me to let you know how to live your best life. Now here are some commandments, live by these principles, live by these laws. But the law didn't precede the relationship. The relationship preceded the law because God's desire was a relationship of trust with mankind. He's not just the rule maker that some of us have grown up thinking he is. So then when we come to the New Testament, we shouldn't be surprised to find that in the New Testament, the message of Jesus is this. It's not here are 10 more commandments. It's not be really, really good and maybe you get to heaven. It's not here's a to-do list and if you do four out of the seven, God will love you. We come to the New Testament and the driving message of the New Testament is this. God is saying, I want you to put your trust in me because I'm trying to reestablish a relationship. And just as, you, um, just as a lack of trust broke it in the garden, a realignment of trust will bring us back together. That's why the thing that we want you to do more than anything else in the world is to place your faith or your trust in Christ as your saviour. Because the relationship with God is initiated through an act of trust, just like the break with mankind happened through a lack of trust. The more confidence and the more trust you have in a relationship, the better and greater that relationship, right? It's true in marriage. I mean, the best thing that could happen to your marriage is incredible trust in your marriage, right? What's the best thing that could happen between a father and son? Incredible trust. I mean, you find me a great relationship and it's not going to be a relationship based on, well, I asked him to do three things and he only did two things, so we are going to have a talk. That's, that's not the image of the best relationship you can find out there, is it? The best relationships are relationships that are categorized by, you know what, I trust you when you did what I thought you were going to do. I trust you when it didn't look like you were going to do it. (laughs) And I trust you when you completely forgot to get it done. Right? That's the nature of a great relationship. It's it's true between men and women. It's between people. And the same is true in our relationship with God. So the whole Old Testament, the whole New Testament, is God wooing men and women back into a faith-based relationship with Him. And it was the nation of Israel. It's... And it's us today in this New Testament era. So if you were to ask me, what is God doing in your life right now? He's trying to teach me to trust him. He's trying to blow up my faith. He's trying to make it big. He's trying to make it huge because it's the essence of relationship. And more than God wants my obedience, though he does, and more than God simply wants me to know a bunch of stuff about him, though he does, Like anyone else, God wants a relationship categorized by, I trust you. I trust you. I don't always understand you, but I trust you. Life doesn't always go my way, but why fear? You're on my side. I trust you. God is ultimately in control, is he not? 
There's a very cool passage of scripture I want to read for just a minute. It's found in the book of Matthew chapter 8. We're going to start with verse 5. And in this passage, Jesus performs a miracle. But here's what's so cool. This is, this is the only time in the Bible that I've found where Jesus is amazed by somebody, uh, some, something somebody else does. Now, a lot of people are amazed at what Jesus does. And in this particular passage, this is the first time we ever see Jesus go, wow, to humanity. How cool is that? How would you like to be the only person in recorded history who made Jesus go, wow? (laughs) Did you see that? Could you do that again? And what's interesting is it's not somebody doing some extraordinary obedience thing. It's not like, wow, did you see him not commit adultery? Wow. Was that unbelievable? Did you see her not lie? That was so cool. No, you know, it's, a, it's not a law thing. It's this amazing thing. Let me read this to you. Uh, verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion. Now, a centurion is a Roman soldier who has 100 men assigned to him. And whatever he says, these 100 men do. Okay? A centurion came to him asking for help. Now, again, I want you to use your imaginations here. Here's Jesus and his disciples kind of walking through town and all of a sudden here comes this Roman centurion, probably flanked on either side by a couple of his guys. And here comes this Roman centurion and he's going to ask Jesus for help. Now, a couple of things. First of all, the Romans are the bad guys in first century Judea. These are the invaders. These are the people that collect forced taxes. These are the people that say, you, you and you accompany me and you never see those guys again. These are the people that can force you to do things you wouldn't normally do. These are the people you hide your stuff from. And here comes a Roman, pagan, non-God-fearing, law-breaking heathen to Jesus to say, Jesus, I need you to do me a favor. Verse 6. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. And at this point, using my imagination, I'm reading between the lines because the Jews hated the Romans, right? We know this. And at this point, you could forgive Jesus' followers for probably thinking, "Um, well, good. We hope he dies and we hope it's contagious and we hope you get it and all of your 100 bullies get it and their families and take it back to the emperor as far as we're concerned. That was the attitude between these two people. Jesus, come on, let's go, get, let's go help some Jewish people. You can forgive them for feeling that way. And yet this Roman is like, my servant is at home paralyzed, can you help me? Verse 7, Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. To which Jesus' disciples may have been like, um, are you kidding me? We're starting to help the Romans now? I mean, look, the Jewish leadership already think we're a little bit crazy. You start running around helping the Romans, it's over for us. We are all going to have to leave town. That decision put their lives in danger. Verse 8, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. To which Jesus' followers were probably thinking, well, that's true. You don't deserve to have us come, come under your roof and we don't really want to be under your roof. But listen to this. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. In other words, Jesus, I've been watching you and I don't need you to come home with me. 
I think if you just right here, eight blocks away, said something, did that thing that you do, I think you could heal my servant, you know, like wirelessly. I think you could heal my servant long distance. I think you have a long pause and they're looking at him like, wow, that is a lot of faith. And then he gives this explanation in verse 9. For I myself am a man under authority. For I myself am a man under authority. The implication here is because Jesus, you and I have something in common. Here's what we have in common. I've been watching you. You've got two arms, two legs, the beard, Jewish looking guy. I mean, I'm watching you and there's nothing that extraordinary about you. But you command illness and illness obeys you. So I'm thinking to myself, hmm, Roman centurion, two arms, two legs. There are a hundred guys that do whatever I say. And I know if I say to this one, I want you to go down the street and I want you to guard that door and don't fall asleep or you'll be put to death. And I walk away, I know he's going to do it. And I say to the other guys, I want you to follow me around and do whatever I say. And they do it. And it's not because I'm bigger, stronger, meaner, richer or smarter than they are. The only reason these 100 guys do what I say is because I represent Rome. And sickness and death do what you say. So obviously, you're representing somebody with great power and great authority. So what we have in common is we're both under authority. I get my way because I'm under the authority of Rome. And I don't know whose authority you're under, but whoever it is whoever it is, it's way bigger than you. So you don't need to come to my little house to heal my servant. Whoever you represent can heal my servant long distance. He made an observation that nobody else had made. Here's the rest of the verse. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. Kind of like you have sickness and death under you. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. Now listen to this next verse. When Jesus heard this, he was, this is a little Greek word called themalzo, which I'm sure I'm saying incorrectly, but he was amazed. He was astonished. He was astounded. He went, wow. This is the only time this word is ever associated with Jesus. And it's associated with somebody's incredible trust. The only time Jesus is ever astounded in the whole New Testament was because of somebody's great trust and confidence in him. Because somebody realized, wait a minute, you're Jesus and something powerful is working through you and I can put my confidence in you. You don't need to come to my house. You just say the word and my servant will be healed. That's pretty wow. Verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith, which probably to his followers would have been a little bit mind-blowing because they'd been following him around for a while at this point. It's like, what, are we chip liver, chop liver? <laughs> but this was incredible. This, this blew Jesus' mind. Big faith, big trust. And here's a guy, for all we know, who still worships Zeus, he didn't know the Ten Commandments. He didn't know the Ten anything. He'd never been to the temple. He couldn't even get in the temple. He couldn't even speak the language. But he recognized that Jesus was somehow connected to the creator of life and death. And he put two and two together. 
and he expressed that trust. And Jesus said, this is the whole reason I came, so that men and women would say, I have absolute confidence in Jesus because Jesus represents God and what do I have to worry about? If I'm in the presence of Jesus, you don't even need to come to my house. If you just say the word, I have absolute trust. I can shake your hand, go to my home and my servant will be healed because of who you are and who you're related to and who you're working for. That's big trust. Now, you read the rest of the New Testament and the thing that makes God jump up and down is trust. The thing that's most honoring to God is our trust. And as you think about human relationships, that makes perfect sense, right? The thing that gives you the most confidence and strength in your relationships and your family, as I said earlier, is expressions of faith and confidence in them. And the thing that thrills and honors God is our expression of confidence because that's the essence of relationship and that's what God is after. So that leads to this question. What are the results of big trust? Big trust releases us to be free. When stuff comes up that might derail or steal our confidence, we can lean on a bank of trust in God. We can say to ourselves, okay, this isn't great, but I trust in someone bigger than myself, more powerful than myself, smarter than me, able to see how this ends. Someone who has said that they are working for me always, even when I don't see it happening, that every circumstance will work together for my good in the end. Is that not freeing? It is an antidote to stress, worry, anxiety. That is a wow place to live from. That is how I imagine a lot of Indians right now um, that have been referenced this morning, Dr. Kumar and his team are living right now. They're able to do it because they trust God who wants a little bit of that. Yeah, four of us, that's awesome. (laughs) Now, of course, it isn't always easy to do, to trust God, is it? We don't always understand. I rarely understand. <laughs> Sometimes he seems a little late, and that's, that's why actually trust is so integral to our relationship with him, because it grows our faith. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves who we are dealing with, the God of the universe, who has all authority in heaven and on earth, who has all resource, and who is willing to act on our behalf because you are his precious one and he will not leave you or forsake you. Remember who you are dealing with. Does anyone need reminding today of who you are dealing with? Does anyone need to speak to their circumstances with a little authority this morning? I know I do. Ephesians 1, 18 to 22 talks about that authority. Um, This is in the Amplified Version. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation, the trust, to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance to the states, God's people, and so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable, an unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength, 
which he produced in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, whether angelic or human, and far above every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and world, but also in the one to come. They have covered off every aspect. His name is above every name. Whether that's 100 years from now or 2,000 years before us, every name. And he put all things in every realm in subjection under Christ's feet and appointed him as supreme and authoritative head over all things. Can I just say God is for you and not against you? And he has all authority to do whatever he wants in your life. He is worthy of our trust. He will do things all the time to grow our trust in Him, our faith in Him. Because His heart's desire is to make your faith bigger so that we can wake up in the morning and say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I don't know what's going to happen today, but you do. And I trust you. And I'm not going to fear. And I'm not going to be anxiety-ridden because I can't control the future anyway but I trust the one who I know does, who knows both the future and controls it. That's where you want to be. That's where I want you to be. And that only happens as our trust gets deeper and bigger. Amen? So I'm going to get you to stand up, please. If you're at home, you can do what you want. If you're in a car driving, obviously you remain seated. Um, (laughs) But hop up off the lounge engage in this moment for a second because what I want to do is I just want to create a moment where we just realign our trust again. You know, for some of us, we've done this for a long time. Others, it may be the first time and that's totally okay. And we're all going to do it imperfectly. But I would love to make a declaration this morning to God that we are going to place our lives in his hands again, that we're going to trust him because there are those of us in, our, in this room who suffer from anxiety, who have fear about our future and our present. And if that's you this morning, I would love to pray with you after the service. I'm going to be over here with you. Pray with you. And I would just ask you to be really brave about that. We're not going to be weird. We're just going to talk to you normally. But we're going to remind you of the authority of the God who loves you. And that He is in control. And that His heart is for you. And it takes away a lot of the reasons why we feel anxious and fearful. Amen? Who's got some things this morning that they really need to trust God for? To trust God with? Yeah, so many of us. So let me pray for you. And then I'll invite Mikey back up in just a moment. Father God, we thank you. We thank You that You are a trustworthy God. We thank You that You have always pursued us for relationship. You've always pursued us and wooed us for Your relationship. And we know that trust is at the core of that, Lord God. And so this morning, we just relinquish our trust to You again. We just declare over our lives, over our circumstances, over our hearts and our spirits, Lord God, that we trust You. And even if we don't have feelings that match that right now, God, we declare with our mouths that we trust you. 
We trust You, God. You are worthy of our trust. You are capable of seeing anything through. You have authority over all things in our lives, Lord God. We acknowledge that authority this morning. We say, not our will, but Yours be done. Lead us, God. Lead our lives. And we trust You in the direction that You're taking us, Lord God. You have gone ahead of us and we thank You for it. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.